Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Hello dear friends and here we are again with Bishop Julian Porteous and Jovina Graham and myself Jeremy Ambrose for question and answer with the Bishop. Now Bishop Julian, my question for you today starts off with, with some thoughts about you know Catholic institutions that we've all grown up with, Catholic hospitals, Catholic schools, uh, Catholic universities and at one t time in history, uh, for a long time, this was uh, run and looked after by religious sisters and uh, brothers and monks and priests and all these people. So my question for you is, now that we've seen, you know, it's a lot of lay people who run these organizations, what's really happened to the Catholic identity? Have we lost something of the Catholic identity by having, a, I guess, a, a lack of religious in there? Is it enough to say that this is a Catholic institution because it has a general Catholic ethos? Or is there more needed? Uh, generally, the, the, uh, as we know, so many institutions uh, have gone through quite a radical change in the last 50 years or so from being institutions established by religious orders and, and now because of the decline in vocations that they are being taken over by, by lay people. Now, one of the things I think that's important is most of the, these institutions like hospitals and schools were set up by religious who had dedicated their lives to to these institutions and and they they often brought a very particular gift like when the franciscans did something the franciscan spirit somehow uh was was captured in this particular work or particular order of nuns would have a particular charism particular uh spirituality that uh, that fed into what they were doing so they not only had a, a very good institution doing a particular work, but there was a particular character or spirit that animated their work, and often that spirit was was grounded very deeply in um, in, in their personal faith, their, their their personal spirituality, and this often what I often say this gave these institutions a certain X factor. It was something that's something extra to them. That's why often people thought. You know, Catholic hospitals kind of really got something um, special about it. We don't know what it is. We can't identify it in so many words, but we know somehow it's different. People feel that too about a Catholic school. There's something about a Catholic school. Now, sometimes people say, oh, it's a discipline or whatever, but no, it's, it's actually that there was a spiritual element, if you like, that animated the way in which these institutions operated. Now, at the present moment, with this change that's taking place, this has been a question that's emerging as a, as a very important question. As religious now pull out of schools and hospitals and various social works and various missionary activities and run by lay people, not the lay people themselves aren't often very dedicated and very capable um, and really doing their best, but there is the challenge that the lay people may not quite have the same uh, spiritual orientation that was in the religious orders that originally founded them. And people do ask the question these days, well, what, well what, 
what actually constitutes the Catholic character of a particular uh, institution or, or work of the church? And it's a very, it's a very good question. As you said before, is it an ethos? This is it an ethos? But well, it is, but it isn't. An ethos can be very nebulous, uh, and and it can almost be a sort of a blurred sense of Catholicism rather than something which, when the religious order has a charism, it's often quite focused. It's quite, it has quite a, a specific expression and so this becomes a, a, a very important issue and there is the danger maybe not now because there are a lot of um, there's a lot of residual uh, Catholic character in these institutions but 5, 10, 20, 50 years time they could be in the name of the Catholic Church but people in it have lost a sense of the original inspiration the original spirit that gave rise to the institution. So this is an important question that uh, that many of these institutions are grappling with today. But Bishop Julian, does it really matter if the institution that was once particularly Catholic isn't anymore? Isn't it enough that it be a good hospital? I mean, in the same way with people, isn't it enough that some a, a Christian, a Catholic person, just be a good and nice person? That's, that, that's probably the way people immediately respond to this question. They think, well, look, it is a good hospital, and, and as long as it preserves its, um, its high degree of professionalism and, and, and so forth, it will continue to be a good hospital. Now, I, I don't doubt that the professionalism and dedication of people is vital, but somehow there is this extra element that's, it's, that is very real, very intangible, that actually comes from a person having a living faith that kind of inspires them. People can have a general faith, and so people sometimes say, well, to be Christian means to be good, to love other people. And that's true, of course. But to really give expression to this in, in, a, in a more radical way of, of a, say, a great degree, a high degree of dedication, of self-sacrifice and so forth, Something else is needed, and I think ultimately it is. It comes from a heart that is truly given to God. I often think when people say, um, "Look, the main thing is just be nice to people," mm. you know, and I say, "Where is nice found in the Gospels?" Mm. It's not there. Christ did not say, "Blessed are the nice." <laughs> <laughs> so, so just to leave it rather vague is is not enough. I suppose it comes down to looking at ourselves too, when we think of each of ourselves individually. How would I define myself as being a Catholic? What, what, what would I immediately look to to say, these are the defining elements of myself that make me Catholic as against somebody, a good person, good Buddhist, a good, uh, or just a good person who has a, the right attitudes in life? Is there a difference? I think this is a, a, a question we need to explore today. I think this is an issue that we that we do need to address today, and and generally speaking, I think the starting point for us is to take the gospel teachings of Christ a lot more seriously, uh, if you like, not just to leave it vague 
about being good or being kind or being nice, but but to actually start penetrating the teachings of Christ found in the gospel. And one useful way to do this, and certainly one obvious way is to read the gospels more more closely and to, to take time to really reflect on what Jesus is saying and try and take on the mind of Christ in, in the way that we think about the way we live our lives. Like where he says, you know, love your love your enemies, don't just love your friends, you know. So we have to stop and pause and say, how does that apply to my life? So taking the Gospels um, more seriously and say, I'm going, I am going to live out what Jesus actually teaches. Even if it sounds completely crazy to many people uh, outside, but I'm going to start living the Gospel more clearly. But one particular way we can find it, give expression to this is by looking at what we have traditionally taught in the church in terms of the virtues. Um, certainly when we look at, um, say, people wanting to live a monastic life in the past, one of the things they realised was, was not enough just to, to spend long hours praying, praying in the office and, 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 uh, and being involved in the spiritual life. Obviously that's vital because that's the wellspring of everything. But a lot, of the, a lot of the spiritual writings will talk about the various virtues that really constitute a Christian and really make up the true character of a Christian. And they all found that their origins in the scriptures and particularly the teachings of Jesus. But uh, we can take, for instance, one, one like humility. And just looking at the question of humility, looking at what it means to be a humble person, you don't find humility spoken about very much at all in the world around us today. So we could look at that. Another one I find very interesting is obedience. Okay. That's something that uh, I don't think people feel quite comfortable with today because it's all about doing your own thing. Uh, so I think what we need to do is to begin to look at those virtues, those qualities that actually constitute the character of, of, a, of a true Catholic. That's very interesting. In light of all that, Bishop, and just touching on something you said before, you were talking about, is it enough to be a good Buddhist and a good Christian? It, aren't all religions the same? I mean, isn't it enough to be? Yeah, look, I think that's a, that's a question that many people ask today. Look, doesn't Buddhism have certain moral and spiritual, and sometimes People live exemplary lives inspired by these uh, these traditions and these these teachings in Buddhism and Hinduism and so forth. And there are many common elements because the great religions all are striving to 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 show a person how to live human life in the best possible way. So you're going to find a lot of common elements. But we would simply say that the the the, the full and complete revelation of the nature of the human person and those qualities that go to make up somebody who is a son or daughter of God. So they, they are actually taking on the character of God himself uh, is going to be found through the revelation, the teaching of Jesus Christ. So there's a fullness, there's a completion. And often there are points of truth in Christianity that uh, we don't necessarily find in all those other religions. So uh, I would say very clearly that we'll find all that we need in the teachings of Christ and if we explore that more deeply, we, we can then begin the process of saying, I'm going to grow in 
the full to my full stature as a Christian, taking on all those qualities, those virtues that really make up a full Christian character. Well, what an X factor that would be. I think we need a lot of people with an X factor in the world today. Thank you very much, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop. Uh, Javina, we come to that point of the uh, of our session where we talk about different things related to Catholic life and, and tradition. Um, I suppose um, when we celebrate key things in in the the year that have Christian origins, there are customs around them that uh, have particular origins and but are very much part of our culture. For instance, um, at Easter, um, I'm sure one of the things that you'll be eating and probably giving to other people is an Easter egg. That's a very good assumption, Bishop. <laughs> Particularly a nice chocolate Easter egg. Definitely chocolate. Especially with Jovina, you'll be giving me a few of those, yeah? One if you're lucky. So the Easter egg has become really um, traditional and it's in our culture. Or, or, uh, even during the early stages of Lent, you start to see all the, the stores mm-hmm. stocking up with Easter eggs and chocolates and all this. And it's one of the things that's strongly promoted. Um, whether you're a Christian or not, you have the, the Easter egg. So why... The Easter egg. And, and again, I think to understand the Easter egg, we, we need to be reminded of the fact that Lent, in particularly going, going back to medieval times, meant that people would abstain from the use of any things connected with animals. So the egg would be one thing that you wouldn't eat, as you wouldn't eat dairy products and so forth. So, so you went through Lent not having these things, which are really st- stable parts of life. The, the egg is used a, a great deal. And, and so, again, we think of medieval environments and villages and so forth. So the, the people would have the egg as something they really look forward to eating at, uh, at Christmas, and so, uh, at Easter. So the people have not had eggs during the, the time of Lent. And so the idea of eating an egg would be very attractive to them come Easter. And so that was the practice of, of having an egg. But it came to have more particular meaning because if you leave an egg, eventually the egg breaks open and out comes. At Easter, so the Easter egg has those two origins. One, firstly, just looking forward to having eggs again after being denied them during the the season of Lent. But secondly, that particular significance of the chicken breaking out of the egg, the Lord breaking out of the tomb. Mm. Wow, that's great! Only a chocolate chicken is breaking out of our eggs. Thank you, Bishop. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit credio.org.au.